Al. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about where hip-hop has been, where it is presently, and where it's going. I'm James Rathbone, and as you may notice, because I'm doing the intro for the first time, we are without Jordan today, unfortunately. Uh, but in his stead, we have a really exciting guest host. Uh, she is one of the fixtures of Toronto's nightlife scenes, one of the best DJs in the city, uh, someone who is always bringing sort of the community together for the better, and uh, someone who I find very inspiring in general. Uh, her name is uh, DJ JMKM, aka Josephine. Hello. Oh my God, that was such a nice intro. Thank well, you, you know, that's, that's how we feel, honestly. And <laughs> speaking for both Jordan and I, I know he feels exactly the same way. Thank you so much. I just like adore you guys. You know that. And I um, love the podcast and I'm super excited to be here. Kind of nervous because I've listened to every episode and I'm going to try to be as, you know, brilliant and charming and amazing <laughs> as you and Jordan always are. I don't think that'll be a problem at all. Okay. <laughs> I'm super excited. Let's get into this. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got your start in DJing? Yeah, so I've actually only been DJing for about four years, which I don't know. Some people seem surprised when I say that. I'm actually surprised (laughs) by that. Yeah, it's been four years now. I bought my first setup that was my own setup in October of 2014. But I would say that I had a very... Like I was very exposed to DJing at a high level for like many, many years before that. So even though I've only been really DJing myself for four years, I definitely see my journey with DJing starting much, much longer ago. So how how was that? Um, I actually, my ex who I was with for like ever, almost mm-hmm. 10 years, he's like a very well-known DJ back in Calgary where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. And he was a lot more in the, more the battle world, the turntablist world. Right. Um, yeah, so he came up through like the DMCs, which used to be a really well-known DJ competition. They'd have them all over the world. And the format for that was like a 15-minute set, and it was basically just all tricks, mm-hmm. um, like juggling, scratching, stuff like that. And um, yeah, then he got into like the the Red Bull freestyle world, which is sort of like an evolution of, of trick DJing, which incorporates a little bit more kind of like party rockin' elements. Mm. And so, yeah, that's really where I first learned about... DJing was through him. Um, I obviously like knew about DJs before that, like Jazzy Jeff and like Mixmaster Mike and all that. But that's when I really, really learned about, uh, yeah, the craft of DJing was watching him all those years. And when he started getting more into doing like club stuff, we were um, throwing like parties together. And so I was learning a lot more about like the promoting side. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when we split up, I was kind of just like, you know, I've always loved this. Um, and been interested in it and I just kind of wanted to like try to do it myself and that's really how it started cool yeah I didn't realize that I thought you had probably been DJing for like ever you know like you kind of give that impression I feel like also because you know a lot of like the sort of like big Canadian DJs um it's you definitely give the impression of someone who is like been around yeah I mean I was I was definitely like around and I think that was kind of like a big advantage to me when I first started myself because I was super comfortable in like all those settings like even going into a DJ booth and just like knowing how to navigate it mm-hmm. is like huge for people to take you seriously right away like yeah. you can just roll up and have that confidence and I definitely had that from being like super exposed to to DJing at that level so mm-hmm. yeah I met like all of like 
those the big Canadian DJs like I've known them all for so many years like 10 12 years so Mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty cool and I was actually really nervous to start DJing myself because of that because they all kind of knew me um, before and then I was like are they gonna think it's weird that I'm like DJing now but they've all been like super super supportive so it's really rad that's awesome yeah I feel like uh you know, at least my impression was because I, I sort of casually started DJing like 10 years ago, mm. uh, but like mostly off my laptop and just like doing it on like, um, like a tractor, a, yeah, you know, virtual DJ type. Yeah. Scenario. Yeah. And uh, I always felt like very intimidated by that, like older generation of like DMC DJs because they were had such like they were so skilled and they have so, so much knowledge. And, yeah. Like, super technical. And just like they also all came up. Most of them anyways, like came up through like the vinyl DJing. So Mm -hmm. they're like really true school, like, you know, real DJs, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was really, it's funny. The first mix I ever made was like on virtual DJ. (laughs) I like had to submit a mix to try to get like booked for this like event. Mm -hmm. And I like submitted a virtual DJ mix. I never told them that, but I kind of finessed. I mean, (laughs) my understanding is a lot of the professional uh, mixes that like really like great DJs put out are produced. produced. They go into Ableton and all that kind of thing. I mean, I've made a couple like that myself. Yeah. I don't Um, see anything wrong with that. Not at all. I mean, I think it's actually really useful if you're, if you're trying to like execute some really like difficult things mm-hmm. where there's like a high you know chance that you'd screw it up yeah um like one that i did was like more of a concept mix and i was doing a lot of like blending and like layering songs on top of each other and mm-hmm. and i realized as i was doing it on you know like a an actual setup like turntables that i was like man there's just like such a high like barrier to like executing this well i was mm-hmm. like i'm just gonna do it in ableton and then put it together in ableton and like it's still very creative but you're just kind of like making sure that it sounds super tight when you're doing it that way yeah so when did you know that this was something you wanted to like basically dedicate your life to or do full-time yeah i think it's funny because i I feel like I didn't even really get to make that decision fully myself. It was almost like it kind of took on like a life of its own. Um, And I would say that happened after I came to Toronto Mm -hmm. three and a half years ago. Right. So by the time when I moved here, I started DJing in October 2014 and I moved here in May of 2015. So I'd only been really like playing around with it for like six months And I moved out here and I thought that I was really going to work on different things. I thought I was going to grow my career as like a freelance writer and work more in like media type stuff. And that DJing would be a great way to like make some extra money on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it kind of just snowballed. And I eventually realized like, wow, this is how I'm spending like a most of my time, but also how I'm making most of my money. And I think I came to Toronto at like kind of a, a good time. Um, it was, you know, when popular music was really turning to be more like hip hop and rap, which mm-hmm. was my favorite type of music to play. So that was good timing. Um, it was also a time when, um, like female DJs were kind of like starting to become trending. And although I think that's stupid, like, I mean, it, it's a reality that people were starting to be more interested in just not having yeah. men. I mean, at the very least, I think that um, not to say that like the big name DJs uh, 10 years ago would have been snobbish to someone just because they're a woman, but uh, it definitely was super, super male oriented and very exclusive. Yeah. And, uh, 
And I mean, I think that there's, it's uh, like, it's a very strange field to have the kind of like, uh, I don't know, like sort of misogyny that like a lot of jobs might have, yeah. you know, where it's like, uh, like what, what, what about DJing? I guess it's maybe this idea of like men's taste being superior or something yeah. like that. But it's very, it's like really strange to me of all jobs that it's, there's this, that there's like a gender bias yeah it is it's very strange and i mean i feel like even in the last three years it's it's come like leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. but uh, at first i was sort of a little bit intimidated by that you know like being in a new city being in a new kind of um field of like creative expression like if people were going to take me seriously but then i realized it was actually a huge advantage to me because it kind of made me a little bit more memorable Mm-hmm. And especially because I was coming in with that confidence that I talked about, that yeah. like I knew that I could come in and do the job. Like it just seemed to be, yeah, it seemed to kind of like set me apart. And I mean, I definitely dealt with like, you know, some of like the sexism and discrimination that you hear about, like mm-hmm. in clubs. Like I can't tell you like how many times I've come somewhere and they're like, are you here to do bottle service or like coat check? <laughs> right. I'm like, no, I'm here to like DJ. Yeah. And they're like, what? Um, that still happens. But I just like laugh it off because I'm like, just wait until I start playing. And, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I would say I feel like you kind of came at an interesting time in uh, to Toronto in terms of like what like the hip hop landscape was like. But do you, I mean, based on your experience of sort of at least being around DJs, mm-hmm. how do you feel like the um, the hip-hop DJing and, and sort of the hip-hop club scene has evolved uh, since you were first exposed to it up until when you kind of started and then into now? If that's, I, I don't know, that's too big of a question. But. No, I mean, it's it's changed so much. And I think that, like, really that's because of the technology that's mm-hmm. become available. Um, when I was first going to clubs in sort of like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. kind of dating myself a little bit here, <laughs> but <laughs> it was definitely still the, like, I don't think... I'm trying to remember if I ever saw DJs playing out like full, like all vinyl sets. I don't think so. But even when I was first dating my ex, his name's DJ Seasick. Seasick, I can just call him that. Um, even when him and I were first dating in, in 2005, mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely, he had just started using Serato, mm-hmm. but he would still bring like a crate of records to right. every gig because you couldn't find everything on MP3 back then. <laughs> so I remember those times. I, I also remember... Um, him having to bring a record so that if he was DJing with another DJ, mm-hmm. when they switched over, they would play a real record so that they could unplug the computer and oh, plug right. another computer in. Nice. Just like really primitive kind of things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely changed a lot. And I would say that the style of DJing has just gotten more, it's gotten more fast. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, especially if you're DJing with a program like Serato or Tractor, which has a computer aided interface, mm-hmm. you can do things like search for names of songs really quickly mm-hmm. um, that you wouldn't have been able to do before when you're playing with like vinyl. Um, there's also things now like, you know, those eight bar like DJ intro edits, right. which kind of adds a little instrumental part at the beginning of a song that wouldn't normally have it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is insanely useful. Um, It's, yeah, it just allows you to kind of mix songs really smoothly together. And that's kind of my style. I think I'm known a lot for that, like for blending songs together. And Mm -hmm. that comes from my love of like actually electronic music. Right. Um, Yeah, house music and techno is like 
there's a lot more of that like long blends like some some techno djs will blend two songs together for like four minutes yeah techno songs are like 12 minutes long it's yeah, so yeah. crazy um so yeah that that kind of like style um of blending is something that's been yeah aided by technology mm-hmm. and yeah like all those freaking talking rap intros those rappers, they love those talking yeah, intros, yeah. but it makes it hard to mix smoothly, right? You kind of just have to drop it in. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I was first going out, I would notice a lot more DJs playing in that style. Like they would just kind of like scratch stuff and drop it in. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a lot of like blending. So those are like the biggest differences that I can kind of think of. But I think it's also changed the what we play out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like now DJs will play like memes and stuff like like <laughs> that's true <laughs> like man's not hot yeah you know like something <clears throat> that like was a that. big song in toronto <laughs> it was a big club song was that last year yeah last year and I, and you know if you think about 10 15 years ago there wasn't the means to take a song from youtube and rip it and play the mp3 i mean it was it. barely youtube at that point yeah you know? exactly so i think that it's impacted it's impacted dj culture in like a huge way but and yeah, it's it's so bizarre to think about like how we take those things for granted now. Like you can just get a new song and play it and it's like nothing. Mm-hmm. Whereas before that was really not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that I mean, you were kind of stuck with the quality of the MP3 that was floating around the internet. So like I remember um like when Soldier Boy Tell Him like mm-hmm. came out. I feel like it took a long time. That song was around for a long time before like an actual high quality like re- like mastered version yeah. was out and it like it almost had like an analog sound to it because it was like 128 yeah uh, from the non-djs out there or the people who aren't aware of like how the quality of mp3s work um the there's sort of like the basic uh kind of mp3 that if you were listening to um music off of like napster or limewire kazaa uh a lot of the like really tinny sounding stuff that you would download was it was like was called like a poor rip yeah uh, lower bit rate lower bit rate because yeah. it was it was has it was just smaller file size so you could fit more on your uh you know 128 <laughs> megabyte mp3 player on your or floppy disk yeah or your mini disk player <laughs> and i actually i remember favoring um those files when i was downloading in that era because mm-hmm. my computer only had like I don't know what I can't even remember, like probably like a five gig hard drive or something. So, you know, you want it to be able to fit more music on it. It's so funny looking back and yeah, you're right though. There are some songs where I'm like, does a good quality of this one even exist? Yeah. Um, one that's like, what was Playboy Cardi's like first, uh, broke boy. That's one where I think that not a good one exists. I think they just recorded it onto like an iPhone and then that was like, the version yeah one of the things that i think is like uh shows like gucci Mane's like genius is that he um would put out uh like he put out uh, not for maybe all of his mixtapes but for so many of his mixtapes he had like the free mixtape like datpiff.com version and he then he would put a mastered version of his music on itunes oh, that yeah. you could buy even though they were like mixtapes right uh that fuzzy distinction that we've talked about a bunch on this podcast. Um, and I think because of that, his music will actually probably age pretty well because of like the, him leaving that sort of legacy of quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that that's like a really, that's an interesting point. About. I wonder if there's others who've kind of done like a similar thing. There's, 
I, I mean, I th- one of the things I think is really interesting is like how much music from the SoundCloud era will last because of it being either on SoundCloud or being on like streaming sites that really have no sort of prerogative of of like uh, curating or or archiving music. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a sad thing. I think. Like I remember someone. I remember when uh, Mega Upload got taken down mm-hmm. in 2011, and it, it like destroyed all of these MP3 blogs legacies that had like ripped all this rare music and stored it on there. Yeah, and then it was just like gone one day. Was it just gone? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that it was like pull the plug. Yeah. everything's gone. Joe Biden actually, the the much memed <laughs> hunky vice president, his like what a project was like going after piracy and like going after Kim.com was like one of his like wow. big, big things. Yeah. Thanks for nothing, Joe Biden. Yeah, really. <laughs> you might have a great smile, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, Do you still have all of your old music by the way? Like I, I well I have so I have uh two hard drives that I haven't tried because I'm kind of scared to see if I like that whether they still work or not mm-hmm. that have like yeah many 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 gigs of old music yeah um yeah like one from literally from that I think I got in 2006 that I used probably from 2006 to 2009 and then one from 2009 to th- 2013 mm. so like yeah lots of lots of lots of old weird stuff that probably isn't I don't think you could find online there's been some kind some songs where I've when I've been doing like a throwback night that I've tried tried to find yeah uh that just don't aren't on the internet anymore basically yeah Yeah, I have pretty much all of my all of my music that since I became a serious music collector Mm -hmm. in around like 2004 2005 I still have all of that um and it's pretty funny to to kind of look at it sometimes. I have a lot of um, mixtapes too. Yeah, a lot of DJ mixes that are actually like pretty rare. Yeah, um, from from some some Toronto DJs, pretty notable ones too. Um, there's a DJ named Junior Flow. He's now the DJ in Keys and Crates. Okay, and they're like a very successful yeah, for sure. yeah group. They play like festivals and stuff yeah, like they've that. done like Coachella, like all of this Bonnaroo, all that. Um, I have a bunch of like his old mixes, and it's crazy. I I like tweeted about one. I think it was like him and a couple of other DJs who'd done a joint mixtape. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted about it like, oh, I just found this on my hard drive. And one of the DJs wrote back and he was like, I don't even have that anymore. Can you send it to me? Yeah. Thing. So, yeah, it's that's really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, when you're looking like out and you're out a lot, you, yeah. you're kind of like <laughs> one of the things about uh Josephine JM Cam is that like she's like the busiest person I know in Toronto like she's always doing stuff uh what are some of the things you like really like to see another DJ do Mm. you know I like it when DJs can kind of play I mean you expect to hear sort of like the popular songs but I appreciate if DJs can kind of play them in a little bit different way or do something that's a little bit unexpected Mm -hmm. I really like that a lot I like hearing new stuff. I mean, that's kind of like a lost kind of yeah, art thing. a little a lost bit. art, yeah. And I think it's nowadays with things like streaming services, like I would say most of the people that I know use Spotify for their discovery. Like mm-hmm. they like to go on like playlists and that's how they discover new music. Yeah. Or maybe they're part of like, you know, an online community like Boosty Fade the Group, for instance, <laughs> and that's how they discover music. Yeah. But again, like something that's kind of a little bit lost is like going out to learn music and having the DJs and the clubs be the one to show you new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always really like if I if I hear a song that I've never heard. Yeah. Um, 
when I'm out and I'll be like shazamming. Um, and I also really like it when I hear sort of like forgotten dope tracks, mm-hmm. you know, not even super, they don't even have to be super rare, but just like something that was sick and kind of, you know, like one recently that I heard was Monica first night. I don't know if you remember that song. I don't think I do actually. So that song. it's a great early two thousands R and B song. Yeah, it's just like, and it was big too back then in like two thousand two, two thousand three, whatever that was. And um, yeah, but I hadn't heard it in years. And then someone played it the other day, and I was like, it's crazy how much music, especially R and B music, I feel from that era, from the early two thousands, mm-hmm. it's actually aged so well. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I mean, I was. I, I like through Boozy Fade and, and through this podcast, I spent a lot of time looking back on like the history of rap and like looking at sort of different trends and like what was going on. And like, I actually think that that era of, of R&B was probably better than like the rap at the time. Yeah, you for know, sure. a lot I of it has aged a lot better. Yeah. And some of the production is just so on point and yeah. fascinating. Like, I think the Dark Child is going to be looked back at as like a genius yeah for sure um and i think he's still very underrated and not a lot of like younger people might know him but he's still making music like i I think i looked up recently i was like where's dark child and he's still got like some some stuff he's doing so yeah i love that era of r&b yeah you have jermaine dupree yeah you have um i think there's some like early like sort of tricky stewart dream stuff from Mm, that era yeah timberland obviously kanye kanye yeah in like the when he was making stuff for like keisha cole Yeah, yeah super dope um so i mean yeah i i think one of the things that I, I, I mean, I, I was honestly thinking about this this past weekend because I, this past summer, like Jordan and I were like probably the busiest we'd ever been with DJing. Mm. And I, I got kind of burnt out on the yeah. creative side, which I think is like, at least for me, I find like kind of can be a real challenge, especially if you're not playing in, in sort of an ideal setting, mm. you know, it, it's like a, a funny thing because I think for a long time, uh, if I saw a bad DJ out, I was like, I had like zero sympathy for them because I was like, what are you doing? There are so many people who could be doing this better than you. But now like after I, um, after this summer and DJing a lot, I kind of understand how, uh, you can actually get sort of creatively drained. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of get into this. Um, yeah, like for me, I noticed that I wasn't, um, I was just kind of playing like the, Travis Scott song and then Drake song and then Amigos song and like just like the biggest rappers of the moment that were super safe. Yeah. Um, But everybody gets into those zones. I mean, and even me more so now that I DJ with USB sticks. Mm -hmm. So for people who aren't super familiar with how DJing works, like there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can have um, your computer act as sort of like your bank of music. Mm -hmm. And then um, you could DJ with vinyl if you wanted, if you're being really old school. And then you could also DJ if you have CDJs with a flash drive that you load up with music. Um, So that's kind of my weapon of choice these days is Mm -hmm. DJing with a flash drive. Um, But what that does is obviously it it definitely like restricts you more because you don't have as much space as you would on your computer. Mm -hmm. And again, you don't have that like search functionality yeah. that allows you to jump around. So even more so I do get stuck into like, sometimes I'll find I'm playing like the same stuff in the same sequence. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the fatigue is like a real thing for sure. You guys definitely were killing it this summer. I have to say, yeah, I was like, no, these guys are DJing a lot. Yeah. It was nice. Um, and like, I yeah. think it really, uh, <clears throat> it helped in some ways, but it also, I think 
like it made me lazy at some of the mm. gigs I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you, like, can you speak on how you sort of, I mean, this is sort of almost a general topic in creativity in general. Yeah. Like, how do you sort of sustain that drive? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know if I'm like any type of expert on this. Um, I just try to always like make sure I have sort of like a diversified portfolio with mm-hmm. like everything I'm doing. I think that that always keeps it interesting. If you're doing the same types of gigs yeah. where you're playing the same types of music all the time, then that you can definitely fall into like a slump. Um, so, you know, I try to have some stuff where I'm playing like more contemporary stuff and then some stuff that's more maybe throwback stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I also said before, I like a lot of like electronic music. So I try to like throw one of those types of gigs in there every now and then yeah. just to like keep it interesting and keep your like brain working. Um, and I think like playing little games with yourself too, Mm -hmm. while you're, um, you know, if you're at a gig, that always really helps me. If I'm feeling a bit fatigued, I'll just make a game out of it. Like, what what are some of the games that you play? Um, sometimes I do the mixing in key game Mm -hmm. where like I'll, I'll only, I'll actually do harmonic mixing. So, um, I'll sort my songs like by key and then yeah. sort of make sure they blend all together perfectly. That's like usually really fun. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll try to play songs that kind of have the same like word in the title. Mm. Yeah. So that's I fun. did. Yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> and what one that I did recently that sounded really good was um, uh, T.I. and Young Thug about the money. Yeah. Yeah. And then right after I played bitch better have my money right <laughs> and then i played um odb got your money right, right. <laughs> yeah so those are like kind of fun games um what else i yeah. feel like when like turntables used to do stuff like that like so much like they would yes. play on one word on, on yeah. in a in a in like and then go jump through songs yeah. in that way. That's very, very much a turntablist like thing yeah. for sure. There's some guys who are known for their wordplay, is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating. It's very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then just doing kind of like themey kind of stuff too is fun mm-hmm. to kind of keep it interesting. Um, the other day I was like playing at more of a kind of retail like setting, and I was kind of like bored, and then. The um, one of the the workers, she was like, "Oh, do you have like Drake in my feelings or some like really you know like well known song?" Yeah. But then I kind of um, just started trying to play. I played a few Drake tracks for her, and then I started just trying to play some stuff in the OVO family. Yeah. I was like, "Who else can I play in OVO that like I haven't played in a while?" So yeah. I was playing some Magic Jordan songs and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> I had a, I have I I think like because I kind of took a break recently. Um, like through a bit, September and October to some degree, I rem- I I feel like pretty refreshed and inspired with DJing. And I remember this thing that I used to do when I first started DJing, which is I would only allow myself to play one song by each artist all night, mm. which is like so. It's actually super fun because that's good. You, and then you, with like the big artists, like I remember when I first started, like Biggie was the biggest rapper that you could play probably, like Lil Wayne, Kanye as well. But like a lot of people weren't. Like Kanye, yes, but maybe not so much Lil Wayne at the time. It hadn't like totally crossed over, but everybody loved Biggie in like the 2000s. Like I feel like his legend was really like strong strong then. And so it was like you had to pick the exact right moment that you would want to play your Biggie song, you know, like (laughs) which was super fun. And it's like actually it's like if you're DJing for four hours and depending at the speed that you're DJing, that makes you go through that you could like have to go through like 
I don't know, 70, 80 artists, potentially, depending on how long you let the songs play or even more. Yeah. You know, that's super cool. I can't wait to do that. (laughs) I'm going to steal that idea. Yeah, No, it's a really good one. And I think like, I mean, it's it can absolutely be impossible to do in certain settings uh, that, you know, you're required to play. Certain, certain types of music. Certain types of music. Yeah. But like, um, there's this guy uh, who's like a real like sweetheart of the Toronto DJ scene. Um, his DJ name is Do Not Push. Mm. And he's always like like playing such like interesting songs that he puts on like his Instagram stories. Yeah. And I, I find that super inspiring as well. Yeah. He's like a great he's he's a great guy for one yeah, and he's, he's a lot of heart. fun to dj with and yeah he's an amazing selector yeah he's like got those like rare picks and you're just like what the heck are you playing yeah, yeah it's very inspiring um that's really awesome another kind of cool like theme i mean it, you guys did a party where you just played all music from one year yeah that's actually so was so mad. much harder than <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be, especially from 2012. It's again like this sort of like feeling of like, I, I really don't like playing like sometimes if a song's like really huge at the moment, I'll, I'll play it twice in a night. But mm. I really don't like playing the same song more than once if yeah. I can help it. Um, and like... And then it, it's almost like you're rationing yeah, yeah, songs, yeah. you know, yeah, like, like I'm not going to play that yet. I'm yeah. Wait. Yeah. You Instead know. of just like playing from your feeling. Yeah. yeah. I think you could like, I think there's certain years you could do it more easily than other years. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of think that like this decade's like best years were like kind of 2015, 16, yeah. you know, so those years would, I think like looking back, we'll be able to play like so much music, Yeah, you know, um, for sure. Whereas, like this year, I think will be actually be kind of a hard year. Yeah, this <laughs> is not had not been a great year for, no, for music. My sister just texted me today. Actually, I'm gonna see if I can pull it up because <laughs> I I don't want to misquote her. But yeah, she said, "I feel like there's not a lot of hip hop out right now that I'm obsessed with, or am I missing some good shit?" Yeah, <laughs> that's what she texted me, and I was like. Honestly, you're not missing anything. People still love Mo Bamba. Yeah, that's true. That is song of the year. <laughs> it's the song of the year. I said to someone the other day, I was like, I love Sheck West. I love Mo Bamba, but I really need the next banger to like be, yeah. to reveal itself. No, for sure. It's, yeah. it's been, I don't know. It's, it's just a, tr- I think, I mean, I, I have kind of mentioned this before, but I think this is a really transitionary time in rap music. For sure. You know? I think so too. I think that, um, you know, everything kind of comes comes in waves and we've had a really amazing last few years in mm-hmm. terms of like music and so maybe we're just kind of like in a little bit of like and i mean there's been some great music this year so don't get me wrong it's not like it's been a slump no. but there was a definitely a period in the two the kind of the mid 2000s where stuff was like not the greatest yeah um no i mean it was it's, it was like it was just I just think it was a hangover from the 90s, yeah. you know. And then we got over that. Once we started to get over that and we had like the Kendricks and the Drakes and the ASAP Rockies and yeah. the Future and everybody else sort of coming out in this decade, it was so exciting. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly thought around 2010, like, is rap just the niche genre now? Like, you know, it it hadn't, other than like kind of Gucci Mane, it hadn't really felt like there'd been too much innovation. Right. And, and then like, especially as DJs, I feel like the music has been incredible yeah. to play. You oh know. yeah, so much fun, like so much energy and and a lot of the like, you know, production now is like just really, really amazing and really mm-hmm. interesting and like boring a lot of elements from like electronic music even. So mm-hmm. and and then the artists too have have changed so much and like this whole notion of like kind of sing song rap that we talked about in the 
the panel yeah, yeah. at um, Manifesto. Yeah. And so maybe it's just kind of like right now we're in this transitional time with all these changes happening. And in the next few years, all of those elements will come together and really refine and make like the next phase of rap, which is going to be like even sicker, you know? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, um, I kind of have been thinking about it for a few years and I would be interested to hear your perspective on is that, um, you know, one of the things I think that's sort of disappeared in the nineties with like the golden era of rap, especially like New York rap in particular, was that like hip hop started out as like a dance music. And I, that's one of the things that I think is sort of, uh, denotes like this this era is so much of it is so much more danceable than Mm -hmm. say like wu-tang or mob deep you know obviously break dancers would maybe disagree with me on that but like to me like one of the things that we you know a lot of people sort of lament the lack of lyricism or what have you and i can maybe see their point sometimes but also uh i think that like hip-hop has sort of returned to this this it's almost like original roots in some respects because it is so danceable now yeah i i uh i agree with you i think that it's and i think that that change to being more dancey has happened sort of pretty recently mm-hmm. you know i mean for a long time it was like the sort of trap like the 70 140 bpm yeah it's like really nerd speak for most people but you know <laughs> that same kind of like tempo trap yeah. music and then it kind of started getting like a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And I remember then it was like in, you know, earlier this year, a lot of like that 80, like 85 BPM stuff was coming out with like the, the like kind of ASAP Berg, plain Jane type tempo. Yeah. And now I think, and I even said, I remember saying like probably a year ago, I was like, I would love for there to be like a West Coast, like rap revival yeah. where that was really the dominant sound. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, songs like Big Bank, yeah. which are like that great, like kind of 100 BPM, like really bouncy, like dancey kind of vibe. Yeah. I like, I just want more of like that. Yeah. <laughs> Big Bank's another one where I like play it and then I'm like, this is so hype. I don't know what to play after. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've just like spilled all of my like beans with this one. But, <laughs> um, yeah. That's so, that's, I think that you're, you're right on the money with that. Like it's definitely getting more, more dancey. And, and I think too, there's this sort of trend of like more melodic elements coming back into production Mm -hmm. and this is something that's um scott storch who was recently here for the red bull music festival he touched on in his talk oh you weren't there i wasn't there but uh jordan talked a bit about about the pod it was great um he talked about a little bit about how he's kind of from that very he's not a classically trained pianist but Mm. i mean he's his music is traditionally like very melodic because it's got that piano heavy piano and that's something that you know, most producers nowadays don't play instruments. Yeah. Um, and a lot of their stuff is very like kind of loop based. Mm-hmm. So I think I would love to see more, yeah, more melody and more, more real instruments being brought back into rap music. And I yeah. think that'll definitely give it like a more just like upbeat, like dancey kind of feel. Yeah. I think um, there is a feeling a bit, I, I think that like even as someone who like loves contemporary rap in lots of ways there's some pretty disposable stuff being made people just released kind of a lot of stuff and just see what sticks mm-hmm. as opposed to having a more like curated or concise sort of selection um but at the same time like i don't know i i've like for me i remember when uh, like i first started playing music uh, out it was like 
guys would only sort of like maybe sort of dance to stuff and like kind of mosh if it, if you play like anti up or <laughs> something like one of those like classic really like rowdy songs yeah like dmx um, like party up in here or something yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly and then like yeah i feel i mean actually it, it sort of co- coincides i think with when you started djing mm-hmm. uh that it really I, I remember like djing an early party uh actually a party i did with jordan before we started doing boozy fade and seeing guys just like really dancing with each other to music and i was like oh Okay, like this is a thing now, you know, I'm sure in like certain parts of uh, the States and like the South and stuff, I feel like there was always a stronger push towards that type of of, like probably dance club experience, you know, like in New Orleans or Atlanta or Miami. Yeah, there's definitely even like those songs that like Swag Surf is one that always like comes to mind, you know, it like creates this like weird camaraderie and this like dance between everybody. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely more of a thing you'd see in the States. I, I think, yeah, that's funny. Swag Surf. Swag Surf. What a tune. That's a great song. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you have any specific, like, favorite memories or stories from your DJing career or experiences that you've had in a club or, you know, the highs, <laughs> lows, anything like that? <laughs> Usually I, like, try to just block the lows out of my mind. <laughs> right. And just forget that they ever happened. No, just joking. Um, oh man, I have so many stories, so many crazy stories. Uh, the one that like just came to mind right as you were asking that question was DJing with Stretch Armstrong. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I went to New York last year in May to play a party down there called Back to Life, mm-hmm. and it's put on by these two um, British expats who now live there. And it's cool. It's like a, a party that's supposed to kind of like mimic what a, a club night in London is like. Mm. So they play a lot of different kinds of music. They play a lot of UK stuff, but then a lot of like um, hip hop mm. and, and dance hall and stuff like that. And yeah, Stretch Armstrong was like the headliner for the night and I was playing just before him, but he actually came like early mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, oh my God, now I have to like DJ in front of him Yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of just being able to like enjoy his set. And um, he came early and... And then after when he was supposed to jump on, he he got the other DJ to like get to jump on to like play a few songs so that he could talk to me, which yeah. was like really awesome. And yeah, he was just like totally gave me like so much props. And he was like, yeah, I loved like your selection and I learned a few songs. And wow. Yeah. And I was just like in awe, but also trying to be like cool about it. And yeah, he's just such a, a legend. That was definitely like super memorable. And the, the set he played was also memorable. It wasn't just the fact that he took the time to talk to me. He played like, he played like all this classic house music. Mm. Yeah. Kind of like the Robin S like era right. of like house. And then, and then he played um, like probably almost 45 minutes of just like 90s dance hall and reggae. Wow. Yeah. Did they, how did the New York uh, crowd respond to that? Uh, they were feeling it. It was kind of like a bit of an older crowd that mm. night. So I think it was like perfect. He right. was definitely playing the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he played, he ended with playing like classic hip hop, which is like what he obviously is known for. Right. And so that was just like really special because it just also showed me that you know, you can be in the game for like so long, yeah. but um, you can still be like humble and and cool and and do what you do. It's like it's not like he came and he was trying to play all this like new stuff or do anything like weird. He was just like doing what what he did well, mm-hmm. and he was amazing at it. So that was cool. 
um every time i've ever dj'd like out outside of the city is always like fun it's yeah. always like a bit of an adventure and you kind of never know what you're gonna get especially if you're in like a brand new place you're just like do these people like the same thing as me like what's yeah. going on i dj'd in china like a couple years ago and that was a pretty crazy experience um but then some of the most like favorite memorable nights are just like the ones where you know, everything seems to be connecting. Yeah. The energy is just like, right. And yeah. The energy is there. People are having fun. Like, and it's like, you feel like as a DJ, that's when it's like, you just like, you can feel it, you know? Yeah. You're like I'm, I know exactly what to do right now. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, And it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome feeling. Definitely some nights like in parts and labor have been like that. Yeah. Um, I just played there for Halloween mm-hmm. last weekend and, um, I don't know when this, this podcast coming out so it it like it should be soon <laughs> okay so, cool yeah, that'll still make sense <laughs> okay cool it's like halloween what are yeah. you talking about yeah yeah i played with a bunch of like uh dope friends and and djs so diggy and big jacks and dopey and it was a really really fun night there's yeah. a lot of ceiling slapping going on a piece of the ceiling actually fell off onto the <laughs> right. turntables yeah. <laughs> so that was cool but yeah i mean i I just love those nights. I'm not someone who got into DJing for anything other than the fact that I just love to share music with people. Yeah. And I can be in like a a 20 person room mm-hmm. or playing for a thousand people. Yeah. And if it's like, as long as it's like I'm having fun sharing the music I love, then mm-hmm. those are the most memorable times for me. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, I actually, I mean, I think I totally know what you mean. There's this feeling I feel like that I, I you get sometimes where it's like, it almost feels like your the music you're playing is like totally connected to the what people where people's like minds are yeah. in the room and what their bodies are doing. It's sort of like like the like at its best it's sort of like DJing is like you are incorporated into people's dancing and yeah. like you're like there's like this extension of their experience into what you're doing with your hands and what your mind is is sort of picking out and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty like it's pretty crazy when it's it's hard to describe to people who haven't done it, but it definitely feels like you're in some type of like game mm-hmm. with people almost. Yeah. And but you can kind of like see a, a few moves like ahead and like know what the reaction's gonna be. And then when you like play the track and get that reaction, it's just yeah. like this weird puppet master. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, that's true. <laughs> the non-evil puppet master. <laughs> no, yeah. It is like because people are kind of putting themselves in your hands. I mean, music totally. is just so emotionally powerful in in some respects and uh you know i mean it's something i think you can kind of see with like djs from other genres especially you know people have these sort of religious experiences at like techno or like house parties or like if you ever go to like berghain or something like that there are people who literally just sort of like their Monday to Friday doesn't really matter in their life, but what they they go to Berkheim on Friday night to Sunday, yeah, to, you know, like <laughs> like they don't even leave because yeah. it's like it gives them meaning totally. And I think especially with techno, like a lot of the, the there's a lot of attention paid to the entire experience. You know, you'll usually go to a techno party and there'll be like some type of visual element and, or it'll be Mm -hmm. like off the beaten path. So you kind of have to like really work to getting there. And it's the whole experience that really like turns into, like you said, like this religious kind of thing. And then the music too is also very like, it's very meditative. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to many like techno parties, but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like love that style of music, but I've definitely been to some where I was just like, whoa, I'm like in it right now. Yeah. You know? I feel like <laughs> I don't know what's going makes, on, but I'm in it. Yeah. You just like make sense when you're there. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have a terrible sort of memory for it. Like sometimes I'll like want to listen to that stuff and then like I'll 
even like two days later, I'm like, I have no idea what I like was listening to or anything like that. You know, yeah, I, I sure. think also like even that kind of like, I think that's one of the things that sort of has changed as well with DJing is that uh, hip hop specifically is that um, that sort of attitude of like, a, like throwing like raves or it, it, whether it's like the UK sense of the word rave or mm-hmm. like the North American sense of rave. Uh, like just throwing events where people will go to like hear DJs uh, play music and actually will interact with it, I think is like, is really great. And sort of something I see in Toronto a lot, mm-hmm. you know, these like uh, sort of uh, alternative venue parties yeah. as we call them, you know? Yeah. I think that, I mean, it's, it's like really important to keep that alive. Mm -hmm. You know, like we said that the whole like notion of going out to discover music is like a little bit lost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I just always encourage people, you know, to, to just try to like keep an open mind and, and go to some like different weird events that you maybe wouldn't think that you would normally like and just like see what happens. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, Do you have an all time favorite song to play? Out when you're DJing? Wow, that's so hard. Um, you can name a couple. It doesn't have to be one. Yeah, I I love playing... Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing at myself. I love playing Genuine Pony. Uh, that's, that's what I was I mean, laughing about. That's a great about. one. I love playing uh, Ludicrous What's Your Fantasy. Yeah. Um, that's a great... That great <laughs> intro that you can like loop or... Yeah, or, you it's know. awesome. Um, in terms of rap songs, like Mercy is a- another favorite. Yeah. Um, Nuck if you buck. <laughs> like, I mean, that stuff is is amazing to DJ. I would like Jordan and I haven't done it for a while, but we have a party called Still Tipping where we like play stuff from the two thousands. Yeah, I remember like listening to some of of that like that like Atlanta stuff, and I was like, this stuff is made to be DJed. It is like it gives you so many options of yeah. how to mix it and like totally. It's like and it can be like super energetic, yeah. But then because of the tempo that it's at. It, you can like mix it in with some more like really like kind of slow like hard hitting stuff like mm-hmm. yeah that that type of stuff is is my favorite that like I love playing like all any and all like rap music though but I would say that that type of vibe is is my favorite um a song I played the other day that I never usually play that actually got like such good response was new slaves that's one of Jordan's all-time favorite songs yeah. to play D out I yeah think. it just like I played it at a time when the energy was like really high yeah. and it's actually very like minimal, Yeah, but it still somehow like sustains the energy of the yeah. crowd. And yeah, it was super dope. It's an interesting song because I think, um, it is like actually a song where kind of like the lyrics, it's like a, it's an interesting song. Cause I think you, it's like a sort of complex rap song in terms of the lyrics in some ways, but also you can still rap along to it. It's not too hard to like rap along to. Yeah. And the lyrics have like sort of like a power, to them you know yeah uh that it it it's like it's not just about like the fact that there's like a lot of bass or something that can or like the the fact that someone's like kind of yelling which is a lot of i feel like it's kind of a commonality about a lot of like really like powerful songs Mm -hmm. it's sort of the actual song where the like the lyrics are almost a big part of sort of the power of it or the intensity of it yeah it's crazy like how (laughs) i have like a an actual like curl like create like folder of yeah. of all songs that are like that it's like 
dope like sing along or like dope rap along like songs yeah and i feel like every dj needs to have one of those it's yeah. a little bit like a, a secret weapon type scenario yeah, where yeah. it can kind of like just bring if you're like not even if you're struggling but if you're just trying to like take something else like that much to that level like higher level mm-hmm. you can draw for one of those a time that w- really sticks out to me that i did that was i was down in la DJing a very well-known R&B party called 143. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend's so super Sam, who is like, she's super dope. She's one of the founders of that party. And um, yeah, it's like playing like all slow jams, like 90s R&B, new R&B. And I was in the middle of my set and it was going like really well. And um, they do this thing during the party where they bring out these like massive cardboard cutouts of people's heads. Right. So it'll be like, I don't know, the celebrity of the moment or like maybe a meme. Right. And at this time, it was when Trump had just got elected. Right. And I saw them coming um, to the side of the stage and they were holding the heads and it was Michelle and Barack Obama. Right. And it was supposed to be like a kind of like farewell yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. And I played Alicia Keys' No One. Right. <laughs> which is like a very powerful yeah, sing-along yeah. song. And it was like such a moment. Like it was mm. so crazy. And Sam to this day still, she's like... Yo, remember when you played like an Alicia Keys? No one would like Michelle and Barack. I was like, like, yeah, like everyone was like, it looked like everyone was about to cry. Yeah. It was like so crazy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's a great party. Mm. Um, so maybe my last question, I think, might be, um, what are you, what are you currently listening to? What it like, you know, outside of the stuff that you're hearing because you're playing it. What are, yeah. what, are, what are you into? And it doesn't have to be just hip-hop, but maybe yeah. some hip-hop as well. Um, I mean, I listen to a lot of, like, UK music on my own time. That's yeah. kind of, like, my favorite music right now. Uh, I think that it's just really interesting what's happening over there. There's the whole, like, Afro-bashment movement, the Afro-swing, which is, like, the J-husses. Right. Um, where they're kind of rapping over Afrobeats yeah. type sound. Um, and then they have some really good rappers, Octavian, who I noticed he gets some love in Boosie Fade, the group. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's another rapper called Slow Tie, who, when I first heard his voice, I was like, is this like satire? Like, is this guy joking? Because right. it's just like really zany and like kind of out there, but mm-hmm. he's like actually got some crazy dope songs. Mm-hmm. So I've been listening to, to that kind of music a lot. And then honestly, in terms of like, north american rap there's Mm. no one i'm really like loving right Right. now i mean i i finally took that like juice world and future project for a spin nope wasn't feeling it (laughs) nope not Um, not so good yeah so i'm kind of just waiting for like the next thing to come along that piques my interest from north america to be honest yeah um i really like that new like that anderson pack song Mm -hmm. i don't know when like i would i mean i might have a chance to play it like probably not in like a club setting because yeah. it's kind of like it's almost like a funky like upbeat kind of dance song I th- yeah i feel like you could put that in with other genres almost more easily than with rap yeah it doesn't respects. really go with rap it's it, it kind of would almost go with like if i was playing like 80s or like 70s or 80s kind of like michael jackson yeah like, yeah you know diana ross type stuff so but i do like that song though it's like a very like dope track but yeah other than that that's why i listen I think I've just been listening to more UK stuff because I, I just find it a bit more interesting right now mm. than than the North American hip hop stuff. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, I, it, I really just think it's it's kind of funny to have started this podcast in this year. I mean, I think there's been we've had like some really good stuff to talk about in terms of events. Uh, it's almost better to talk about it than it is to listen to it. Some yeah. of it, you know, for example, like I think a lot of those Kanye releases were kind yeah. of interesting to talk about and yeah. like contextualize historically. But yeah, no, it. 
I, I mean, I will say that every time I've listened to rap music long enough, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, that it's like every time it seems like things are getting a little stale, it it just everything like it's before not too long, everything blows open and it's, yeah, it's sure. that much more interesting. What have you been listening to? Um, what have I been listening to? Well, actually not a lot of like new stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, um, I've listened to like kind of just like little baby, which I've like, yeah. talked about a lot on this pod, how much I really like him. And mm-hmm. like, um, what have I listened to? That's my pick for rap song of the year. Yeah, no, I think so. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's so good. And you know what? I, I, I was saying this to Frieza the other day. I was like, oh, Frieza's my boyfriend, by the way, if anyone's wondering. Another legendary <laughs> DJ in Toronto. Yes, he is legendary. He's amazing. Yeah. I was saying to him, I was like, I think I know why this song, I have not gotten sick of it yet, is it's only like a minute and something long. Yes, yeah, yeah. So no. it's like you don't have time to like get sick of it. It's like you play it and then it's over. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was one of my f- the first songs, like uh, maybe other than Mo Bamba, that I heard this year that I was like, oh, wow. You know, like a lot of, I feel like sometimes, especially as like a DJ or someone who is sort of obligated to like keep up with rap music, you want to kind of be optimistic about stuff and you're like, oh, this is, this is okay. This is okay. And then you hear an actually like exciting, good song and you're like, oh yeah, this is what it's, how it's supposed to feel, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to put so much effort into getting excited. Yeah. I actually just like, I hadn't heard that new Cardi B song. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It would go with your money set. Yes, it will. Another yeah. money song. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, no, I like, I like it. It's it's kind of a little bit different. Like it's, I don't know. It's kind of slow. Yeah. It's not as explosive. I kept waiting for something to like really hit. Yeah. And yeah. it never really does, but it's kind of cool that way. Yeah. At the end of each of our episodes, we like to do a little thing where we um, talk about something that in the past little while has kind of piqued our interest that's related to hip hop in some way. It can really be anything from like a social media post, a new song, a new, like rediscovering an old record to like, I don't know, anything, anything that was just sort of something that's on our mind and sort of of the moment right now. So, uh, Josephine... Do you have something like that? I do. Yeah. So mine is like a rediscovery type thing. Yeah. And I was inspired to rediscover this after watching Hip Hop Evolution. Mm -hmm. So I actually had never watched the first season. I haven't watched it at all yet. Jordan keeps like getting on me about it. And I like I've been bad about it. You definitely will love it. Yeah. Um, I've watched I started on the second season. I watched the first couple episodes and then I was like, oh, I really need to go back to like the first season and just check it out. I will say I like the second season more so far. But Mm -hmm. anyways, I was watching the first season and there's an episode that talks a lot about like um, native tongues and like Mm -hmm. Tribe Called Quest and uh, De La Soul. Yeah. And in the De La Soul section, Prince Paul um, is heavily featured, obviously. Right. And he's someone who I've actually met before. Wow. And um, yeah, he came to Calgary and he did a show there and he was a super cool guy. He's just one of those like guys who's exactly how he is how you'd expect him to be yeah, exactly yeah. how he looks in interviews, super laid back, very charismatic mm-hmm. and like very small, but like a lot of energy. <laughs> right. And I was like, Oh yeah, Prince Paul. Like I haven't seen or heard from him in so long. And then I remembered that he, um, there was an album by handsome boy modeling school, which right. is like yes. his, <laughs> one of his projects yeah. um, called white people. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, so it's funny how I discovered that album is because I used to work at Aritzia nice. back when it came out. And back then, um, this is before like streaming services or anything like that. So they used to send us CDs in yeah. the mail that we could play in the store. 
And that was one of them. And I just became really obsessed with it at the time, but I honestly haven't listened to it in so long. So after I saw Prince Paul and Hip Hop Evolution, I was like, I'm going to go listen to White People and see how I feel about it still. And I, it is still amazing. I feel like it is an album that represents so much about what 2000s, like hip hop-ish stuff, because yes. it, it definitely deviates sort of, ex, it's exploratory in genre and like yeah. all that kind of thing. And it's very like of the time, you know, like it's, it was 2004 when it came out. Um, I'm just going to like read a quote here. So a, a music critic actually called it the most innovative, original and enjoyable hip hop album since Outkast's speaker box, The Love Below. Wow. And um, yeah, it's super dope. It's got like a, a bunch of really dope, like kind of guest features on there. Um, everyone from like Del the Funky Homo Sapien to Pharrell. Isn't Cat um, Power on that? Yes, one? Cat Power. She's got kind of like a sexy song. Yeah, RZA. So I just, yeah, I re-listened to it and I've been really enjoying it. And it's just, it sounds like, it definitely sounds like something from that era, but yeah. it's still fresh, you know? Yeah. And Prince Paul was really known um, for his work with De La for like the innovative sampling, mm -hmm. um, structuring the albums, really interesting, adding skits and things like that. And yeah. that's all kind of represented in there as well. So yeah. that's my reco. That's a great one. Handsome Boy Modeling School, White People. I, I, I will say, I haven't listened to them in a long time, but I worked a like sort of day job this summer where um, we the guys like kind of it was the first like a restaurant job I'd ever worked where the guys got to wear shorts, but they were you have to wear shorts and like a dress shirt, and I just and like also all the guys that worked there were like weirdly handsome or almost all of them. So I like described it as being the handsome boy modeling school because it, it was like such like a weird little schoolboy look we all had to wear. Yeah, but it also was very functional, and I appreciated being able to wear shorts and not having to wear like you know sweaty pants in the summer. Anyway, I don't know if that's going to make it to the final cut. Um, from from my one. Um, it was actually inspired by uh, something that happened in the Boozy Fade uh, group uh, last night where um, one of our members, Enos Esmer, who uh, I believe is on an, an NBC show and also just a really great guy, did a, a ba uh, like a Raptors basketball podcast with him a couple months ago. Um, so shout out Enos Esmer. Uh, he, he made a post about favorite Wu-Tang records. And like when I got into rap music, like Wu-Tang was like, pretty much my absolute favorite as it was for a lot of people i think uh from the 90s onward you know like they're just such an interesting group and have so much going for them um but funnily enough i think the, f the first wu-tang record i listened to was wu-tang forever and i it was like because it was like at the, at the beginning of my um rap uh you know, interest in rap, I just like played it over and over again. And I hadn't actually, I don't think I'd listened to it again since, um, since like maybe that time period, like 2005, six sort of era. Um, and, and then this, like, he was sort of a post about your favorite Wu-Tang records. And I went back and listened to it. And I think it like has aged like super, super well. Like a lot of the the sort of most popular Wu-Tang, like the 36 Chambers, the Liquid Swords, has this really nice sort of like lo-fi sound. And this is one of their better mastered records. Uh, but it just is so polished and the rapping is so good. It, I think it's some of the best rapping like ever recorded. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, go and check it out and try not to be too offended by some of the less politically correct stuff that was really... <laughs> kind of forgotten part of like 90s rap yeah. it's like really intense at parts of those sort of homophobic misogynistic parts but oh yeah you like it it's one of those funny things with like 90s rap becoming the classics that it is like 
in some ways so much more offensive at times than like contemporary rap yeah for sure you know yeah i can't remember what it was i listened to recently uh, it was like a song of some kind but yeah again similar thing there was like a lot of like homophobic slurs and yeah. i was just like this was very like norm like yeah it's not a thing back then but, but yeah that's a great a great reco i'm gonna go and re-listen to uh Tank forever. Tank forever yeah there's some some really great songs in there that i would love to have an excuse to play yeah Funny, I remember when I first started DJing, it felt like DJs only played like music like Wu-Tang Forever, like 90s New York rap music in Toronto, mm-hmm. or maybe like 80s stuff as well, like Rakim and Slick Rick and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and now I don't know, other than like restaurant soundtracks, I don't know how many people who play that stuff out ever. Yeah, I never hear it out. Yeah. Maybe we should have a party. I think that's a great idea. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the pod. Oh my gosh, was, thank you. Was, I'm a, such a huge fan. Oh. Um, I just love what you guys are doing. I just love you guys. You oh, know that. I tell no, you all the time. Like, likewise, likewise. <laughs> so, yeah, to all our listeners, um, as we say every week, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't uh, subscribed to us on whatever your podcast uh, distributor of choice is, please do. If Especially if you listen to us on iTunes, if you could leave us a review, that would be super appreciated. Or just tell a friend or uh, screen cap what, you know, on, if you're listening to on your phone and then post to Instagram. There's on Spotify, there's a little function where you can just like do that instantly. We love that. Tag us in those posts. It really honestly makes our day. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've, we've got... Uh, I, I should ask you actually, Josephine. What do you have? What do you have coming up? Anything you want to plug? Mm, uh, I'm launching my indie record label. Me and Frieza again, Frieza, who I keep talking about, but my partner. Um, yeah, we're launching that. It's called Bear Selection. Uh, we're super excited about it. We have our first release November 12th. It's a three-track instrumental Trey Mission EP. Trey Mission, also Boosie Fade family. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I see him in their ruffling feathers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's an amazing artist, and we're so excited to be releasing his first ever instrumental EP. Amazing. Bear Selection. Great. Um, yeah, really excited about that. It's a party at Soso Food Club. Yeah, Soso Food Club, where I saw our um, launch party and release party on November 10th. It's the Saturday before. So Great. any and all are welcome. We made it no cover to make sure that everyone could come. Awesome. Yeah, everyone's invited. Cool. Um, Jordan and I have a, a TIFF screening next week. We're screening Juice on 35 millimeter. Uh, I mean, these, these are... Honestly, one of my highlights of my year has been doing these TIFF events and, uh, you know, Juice is a really incredible movie. Also, we just got confirmation of what our, like, uh, some of our films for next year are going to be, which are, I'm super pumped for. It's actually very timely with this episode of All About DJing because Juice has a very iconic DJ battle scene. Mm, Yeah. True. True. Uh, so yeah, come to, come to that. It's, you know, we always have a little after party after where I play music very quietly because of noise restrictions. Uh, so, you know, come have a drink, say hello. Um, and yeah, well, until then, you know, thanks so much for listening and, uh, stay safe. <laughs>